Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Here on the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, my partner Gus and I are Renaissance men, which is why, Gus, I brought in a tale of two cities and Charles Dickens to my pod last night. We're trying to become educated. You're educated. I'm trying to get up there and get a little more variety. You know, sort of uh, the dark roast coffee, if you will, of basketball <laughs> podcasts. No? No, I don't think we want to be dark roast. You know what I think we want to be? I think we want to be craft beer. That's what we want to be. We want to be the finest craft beer that you've had in your refrigerator. That's what we want to be. We don't want to be dark roast. We want to be your finest craft beer. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast, everybody. We're so honored that you carved out some time during your week to give the podcast a little time. You could have been anywhere else on the dial, but you're here with us. So thank you for that. You want to be al dente pasta? No, we want to be chicken parm, right? We're chicken parm guys. That's what we are. We're very chicken chicken parm. Very chicken parm. Well, in the spirit of chicken parm, Gus, we, we got a packed show for you today. We're going to talk about some games. We're going to do a little couch countdown with Gus, which is always exciting. We're going to preview the weekend. So if you like college basketball, this is the only college basketball podcast for you. We bring it to you. It's a robust podcast. We're intense. Gus... Our listeners want to talk about games. Let's get to the games. A bunch of other podcasts that you might listen to might give you some ancillary items. We'll get to our ancillary items at the end, which we think will be a kind of entertaining for our listeners. We're just going to dive right into number 19, UNC, dropping a game to number 20, Clemson, 78-82. So, Mike, UNC has lost three games in a row. They have a three-game losing streak. My guy. Marquise Reed and Clemson got a huge win. Reed went for like 28 rebounds, five dimes, three made threes. Now, the one thing that the Tar Heels can take from this game moving forward is Cam Johnson actually had his go-off game. He went for a season-high 32. He was launching from deep. He was like, you know, approaching Trey Young territory out there, right? So the Tigers are rolling, even with the injury to Grantham. College basketball is so great. Just when you think like a team is going to be down on their luck, look at the Tigers. The Tigers get out and get some good wins. Mike, we learned that Jalik Felton is suspended from school. Let that sentence sink in for a little bit. Not from the team, from the whole university. Yeah, this was a huge win for Clemson. No Grantham. We didn't exactly know what this team was going to be like. Huge win over UNC, 82-78. I was surprised. Now, Theo Pinson goes down. He gets injured two minutes into the game. Of course, that changed the entire dynamic, especially with no Felton on the bench. Right. But I was shocked, Gus. I was. This is a tough loss for UNC. They are now 5-5. Five and five. They're 500 in conference, 16-7 and seven overall. I don't know how good Clemson can be. I know Brad Bromel, as much as my son and I will make comments about him when we're wrestling, the Bromel, he's doing a fantastic job. He really is, and this was a great, great win for them. Yeah, another great win. And and just when you think like Clemson garners a couple of these great wins early on and then kind of falls on their face, they, they, they have done the complete opposite of that, and they've just continued to pile on quality win after quality win and Add this to the pile for the Clemson Tigers as a quality win. Do you want to go into the Jalik Felton suspension at all and how this was handled? Certainly, I think schools, and rightfully so, are going to be very, very careful. uh, And they're going to err on the side of caution. We talked about this last podcast. It's going to be guilty until proven innocent now across the board. I'm not just talking about sexual assault. I'm talking about whatever's going on here. His lawyer did come out today and he said it's not a sanction. 
He's mm-hmm. not being punished for something. It's something the school does while they gather information. And that's what we're doing at this point. They're gathering information. Of course, why would they not want him on campus? I, I don't think he's stealing a laptop. Okay. So you can probably figure out what it is. But I think that – Good comparison. Yeah, yeah. They, they did ask him. They said, is this something that's related to the situation with Tom Izzo Michigan State? The response was – I had nothing to do with how it was handled, so I can't answer that. And that's probably all I should say because I've been advised not to say anything and don't know enough to say anything. I didn't have anything to do with it, and I don't know enough about it. That was what Roy Williams said when asked about the situation. So certainly it seems like Mr. Felton's not going to be back on the team this year. Right. That's That answer seems very Tom Izzo-ish. I think the deeper that we get into this cycle of college coaches – Answering very bland like that, I think the more and more we're going to be frustrated with it. But also, I think we're learning more and more about how the culture of this works. And I think the more and more changes that we're going to see moving forward with how universities, coaches, and programs respond to it. So I think we'll leave it there. And you know what I'm going to say to this? Thankfully, Trey Young went off again, Mike. So we can talk about some good college basketball stuff. And Oklahoma gets a huge win over a very desperate Baylor team, and they win 98-96. That's like an NBA score right there. You know, Young has another game that reminds us that he's still the, the, the front runner for the player of the year nationally. He had 44 points on 11 for 20 shooting. It's amazing. He, yeah, he had nine helpers. He had six made threes. Clearly, Trey has developed into the most polarizing player since Grayson Allen. Like, he shoots too much, he doesn't shoot too much. Um, so, like, you know, you have the, like, oh, my goodness, he's such a ball hog. He shoots too much. He's Allen Iverson. Oklahoma State lost 39 shots. Oh, my goodness, he's hurting his team. He's not shooting enough. Kansas win nine shots. In this game, he seemed to have found the happy medium, shooting 20 shots and scoring 44 points. Unbelievable. So, Trey is still, like, killing it. 44 uh, 45% from the field, 41% from three, 83% from the free throw line. He's averaging over 30 points a game. I know this answer. I'm just going to quiz you super fast. Do you know the last college basketball player to average 30 points a game during a season? Wow. It's recent. It's very recent. We've talked about him on the podcast last year, actually. To average 30 points for, per for game. For an entire season. I'll give you another hint, Daddy. That's a deep three. Oh, Steph, Steph and Curry? No, it is... Marcus Keene from Central Michigan. Oh, yes. Right, okay, okay, right? Yes, Remember right, my daughter yes, and I were watching sure. that yes, game on yes, a Friday. Yes, yes, Very good, yes. She's like yes, kind of falling asleep on the good. couch. She turns over. Marcus Keene makes that deep three to send the game to overtime last year. Like, yeah, yeah. So Marcus Keene was the last one to do it. But before that, it was years and years and years. So I guess my questions here after this big win for Oklahoma, my two questions are, where are you at with Oklahoma? Are they really a Final Four team? And where are you at with Trey? Trey is awesome. He's a, he's a lock first-team All-American. We can debate if he's the top pick overall in the draft. It's going to be need-dependent. Oklahoma is doing a fantastic job. No one was expecting them to be this good in preseason. Long Kruger's been great. He's dealing with a special player. Any player who scores this much, and you know why I was a big critic of Chuckerson. Right, right. Chuckerson, because I want the field goal percentage to at least be over 40. He's at a very solid 45. And honestly, Gus, it was a lot higher than that. He's had a bad streak recently. But for most of the season, he's shooting high 40s, which is fantastic. You mentioned he's basically 50% from three in this game, even a little bit better. 
Amazing. He's getting guys in doubles. Brady Manick would have zero points this year if it wasn't for Trey Young. He can't create his own shot. He's making his teammates better. They need to get a little bit more from Kadeem Latin. He's been disappointing this year so yeah. far, but I think he's sort of finding his spot. Had a double-double in this game. Can Oklahoma make it? Yeah, Danny Manning and the Miracles, right? We saw that in, in what was that, 1988? I mean, we saw that, so certainly he can, and if he does... All the credit to him. Right now, I probably wouldn't put him in, but it's been a fantastic season. Yeah, I I, I think we're like kind of like we talked about a couple podcasts back. Is we're seeing the learning curve here. We're like observing it game by game, half by half, you know, shot by shot here, and that's a really cool thing to observe for us as college basketball fans uh, and college basketball vagabonds. Um, so I'm very in on the Trey Young learning curve and us watching it as it develops. And I, I know you and I are in the same boat here. How great is Lon Kruger as a coach? Yeah, fantastic. Has job. he done an amazing job with this youngster or what? Yeah, it really has gotten everybody to buy in, structured the offense around him. It's been outstanding. Speaking of Coach Drew, like Coach Drew lost that last game, and, and we'll go to the other Coach Drew, and he lost a heartbreaking game. The other Coach Drew and Vandy took just like a crushing loss to number 21 Kentucky in overtime. Kentucky beats Vandy 83-81. So Knox had the opportunity to be the stud for Kentucky uh, against uh, West Virginia, but that script changed a little bit. Shai Gildress Alexander was the stud today. He had 30 points in this Vandy game, and Quade uh, Green had the broken play drive to the hoop in overtime with five seconds to play to give Kentucky the win here. I guess my question very quickly here after the rundown of this game is where are you at with Kentucky? Are nice response after dropping two games and winning three straight? Or are we still a little questionable on them on having trouble disposing of a questionable and depleted Vandy team injury-wise at home? So where are you at with Kentucky here? People have to start keeping it real in Kentucky, okay? If you don't realize that Kentucky is really struggling right now, you're out of your mind. This is Kevin Knox has been back to back solid games, and Gildas Alexander. The knee jerk reaction is going to be, Oh, he had 30. Really? Really? How about all the other games where he had single digits and he wasn't good? This is the outlier. Right. You, everybody here can talk about how Kentucky has 38 stars of players. Everyone here can talk about, Oh, they're ready to peak. I don't want to, I haven't seen it yet. Great comeback in the second half against West Virginia, but let's call a spade a spade. If you look at the last two games, they've had one good half of basketball. You can't tell me beating Vanderbilt without Matthew Fisher Davis, by the way, at home by two in overtime is a good win. I'm not buying it. If you play a cruddy team and come back for the win, it's not a great win. They should have blown Vanderbilt's doors off. This is over the last few games. Let's take a look at it. Yeah. They went to Tennessee and lost. Right. They beat a horrific Texas A&M team at home. They, they, Played at Vanderbilt and won by seven. Very close game. They lost at South Carolina. Awful loss. They lost to Florida at home. Also bad, losing at home. They played Mississippi State. They won. Congratulations. They're getting the doors blown off at West Virginia for the first half. And then the second half, they have a miraculous comeback where they're grabbing every rebound in sight. And Kevin Knox goes bananas. This was a bad game. 83-81. Vanderbilt at home? And you want to be my Final Four team? I don't think so. So we, I guess we know where you're at with Kentucky. Uh, I am at the – I'd like to see a little bit more. I feel like they're just finding themselves right now in the moment that you're listening to this podcast. I feel like they, they, they got Vanderbilt back. They have him in the rotation. We've always said on the podcast, 
what, you know, that, that, that pivot point, right? That pivot point when either you lose a player immediately, like, you know, we can, we can harken back to Clemson when they lost Grantham, or we can uh, say like, oh, or when you get a impactful player into the rotation and then we're pivoting back to Kentucky with Vanderbilt, like that's always a tough thing to negotiate and navigate as a coach and as a team because the roles on the team actually change. So I want to see just a little bit more with Vanderbilt in the fold and then I'll make a hard decision on them. So I'm not down the road like you are, Mike. I'm a little bit still up in the air because I want to see a little bit more with I want to see more Vanderbilt in the rotation with this Kentucky team. Well, listen, I, I, I've been a huge Vanderbilt guy and I expected his impact to be better, but I think you're being generous by calling him impactful. Seven minutes, three points, three rebounds against Vanderbilt. Good. Is that an impactful person? No. I, I mean, I like. is he all of a sudden going to pay 25 minutes against Missouri this weekend on the road and do a double-double? I don't think so. I've waited. I've been patient. I know. Well, Kevin Knox, I had him on my second-team All-American team, okay? And Gildas Alexander, I'm arguing online whether he's a better six-man than Dante DiVincenzo, which I said he wasn't, and he certainly isn't. Now he's gotten 30. So now everybody's going to tell me he's first-team All-American. Let me, let, me, let me know when he has six points against Missouri on the road on Saturday. Everybody <laughs> or maybe, or maybe this yes. will finally be... Maybe this will finally be the Hamadou Diallo game, who was supposed to be a top 15 pick in the draft, and he has two points and is zero for three from the field against Vanderbilt. Unless the Commodores have come up with some sort of defensive scheme that the NBA simply won't use. Give me a break. <laughs> That's fantastic. Oh, my God. And Cal coming out with his casual comments, you know, not answering the question at halftime. Coach, what happened in the first half? You know, what happens in life, really? I mean, you know, uh, what are you talking about, Cal? Diallo, two points. Vanderbilt, seven minutes. Fix it, Cal. I'm running out of patience. Totally with you on that. Diallo has definitely disappointed over the last 10 games or so. I'm totally with you on that. I was high on him if he was possibly going to come out. I thought you could have been, you could have argued that he would have been a top 20 NBA pick uh, last year if he decided to come out with zero years of college eligibility. And now he's back and he's really, really dropped his stock. I would be surprised if he got picked in the second round at this point, unless he has Gus, a dramatic turnaround second half of the season. Gus, we're talking about him going to the Bucks to be their point guard. Really? Eight points on November 20th against Troy. Okay, well, he's getting used to the system. Oh, okay, he was here last year, but that's fine. Seven points at LSU. Barn burner there, okay? At Tennessee, five points. Five points at South Carolina. Well, that's Frank Martin. What's the new excuse? Mississippi State. Oh, Ben Hallen, only six points. Vanderbilt. Well, Bryce Drew, two points. What's next? What's Missouri going to be? Well, Michael Porter Jr. was in the arena. He got nervous. Oh, okay. All right. Let's just the act that we were looking for. I love that. That's so great. All right, so let's go to uh, let's let's go to the grind that is the Big East, right? Let's get let, let's head to Xavier, heading to Lou Carnesecca Arena over a still engaged St. John's team, even though they're over thus far in the Big East. They got Shamari Pons back, so that's a big but that's that's a big boost for St. John's and the Red Storm. But X wins 73-68 with some balanced scoring, some solid D, and in the closing minutes, they help secure the win with uh, some important free throws and an unbelievable defensive effort. The Big East is a grind. All right, Mike, where are you at with it? Where are you at with Xavier? Are they playing down to their opponent? I think it's a tough road. Like, where are you at? I, I listen, it's, it's a road win. It's a road win in a season, man, where everyone's losing games they should win on the road. So we're going to be consistent. If I'm going to punish teams for losing on the road to teams that they should have beat, 
then I have to laud Xavier. They played St. John's. St. John's played him tough a couple a week and a half ago at home. Right. They're twenty and three in the Big East. They're eight and two in conference. They've done it. They lost at Providence. They lost to Villanova. But outside of that, they've taken care of business. So it's a win. A win's a win. Georgetown at home, at Butler, at Creighton. They got some tough games. Here comes the Hall, then Villanova. I mean, we'll find out about Xavier. But right now, man, I think in the season where everybody's nuts, they're ranked six in the country. I think a win's a win. Yeah, I agree. If you're ranked six in the country and you get a good road win in an impossible conference like the Big East, take it and move on, right? How about number 11, Auburn, wins another game on the road at Old Miss, 79-70. And, Mike, is this team going to run away with the SEC? Is Bruce Pearl a legit coach of the year national possibility? Are we sleeping on Bryce Brown? Is he another Chris Lofton? Remember that beautiful Tennessee shooting guard that shot the ball so sweet? I absolutely love Murray. Ten boards in just 22 minutes. Love Harper. Seven assists. Only one turnover in this game. Auburn does it again. Mike, where are you at with Auburn? Where are you at with Coach Pearl? Coach Pearl's legitimate threat for Coach of the Year. Auburn's got a two-game lead clear of Kentucky, Tennessee, and Florida. They are 20-2. and two. They are 8-1 and one in the conference. The only game they lost on the road rival at Alabama with no Colin Sexton. Right. Bizarre, bizarre loss. loss. That's fine. Yeah. They've bet they in, in the last four games, they beat Georgia at home, they won at Missouri, they beat LSU at home, they won at Mississippi. Road games in the conference are always tough to win. Of course, they lost to Temple. Everybody loses to Temple early this year. That's fine. I'm buying in on Bruce Pearl. I think it's a travesty they're not a top 10 team in the country right now. What else do they have to do? Well, I think next week that might actually happen, uh, especially with this win on the road. This Auburn team has so many lovable parts. And one of those level parts, I, I, again, I, I mentioned I love Harper. I think he does an unbelievable job at the point guard position. Uh, I really love what Murray does as an undersized, like three or four. And he's very uh, Tayshawn Tate from uh, Iowa, uh, uh, Ohio State. I feel like he's just like one of those undersized guys that just like his efforts, his rebounds and his points. I love this Auburn team. Another team, much like Auburn, much like Clemson, that has just surprised this year time after time after time. This Ohio State team, ranked number 17 in the country, just blitz Indiana 71-56. They got out to this great lead and just padded it the whole way. Jason Tate goes for for 16. Kate Bates D up, has a double-double. It's just another ho-hum win. Is this team... Like a deep March run team, or should the fan base just like celebrate this regular season success that they've had and just embrace that and be like, I wasn't expecting this? Or are they just going to keep shocking people and are they going to move on deep, deeper in March than all of us think? The Buckeye fans should be very content no matter what happens with this team. Barring a first-round defeat in the NCAA tournament, the Buckeye fans should take what they can get. There is no way they thought they'd be 10-1 and at this point. I still think in my heart they're the third-best team in the Big Ten behind Purdue and Michigan State. They had the terrible loss, tough, tough loss at home in that last second shot against Penn State. I think they're overachieving. It's hard for me to think that we were all so wrong about this. 
Bates Diop's been phenomenal. Tate's been great. Chris Holtman's a phenomenal coach, but they're building for the future. I think you take what you can get this year. If he somehow squeezes a regular season Big Ten or a Big Ten tournament or a Sweet 16 out of this team, I think it's a huge success for Ohio State. I totally agree. I think that if that happens, Ohio State fans everywhere would rejoice. I think we might have been wrong about this next team that we're going to talk about. How about number 23, Florida? Drops a road game to Georgia, 72-60. And I guess if you're the home team and you have the best player on the floor and Yontay Maton, that's a good place to start to get a win in a really tough league that's going to have multiple bids in uh, the NCAA tournament. I don't know why we didn't see that. Yontay goes for 20-7. and seven. Florida continues to baffle. Mike, where are you with the Gators? No, the Gators are good. The Gators are good. I, I Listen, this is a road game against a good defensive Georgia team. Georgia's been very spotty up and down. They lost three in a row at Auburn, Arkansas, at K-State. But they have Mayton, who's a tremendous player. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. I still think Florida's good. I still think they can make a run to the Elite Eight or better. doesn't phase me in the slightest. Is Georgia an NCAA tournament team? Right now? Yeah. I think they're as on the bubble as anyone could possibly be. Okay. Uh, gosh. Like thir- 13 and 8. Oh, I think they're 4 and 5 in conference. Right. You know me. I've discussed this with you. I do not want teams who are below 500 in conference right. in the NCAA right. tournament. Okay. In the big conference. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want you taking a spot from a Western Kentucky or Old Dominion or Middle Tennessee State who are all going to end up with great wins have a great season, go into the conference tournament, someone will lose by two points in the semis. If you can't get the 500, all the resources you have in your conference, I don't want you in the NCAA tournament. So right now I have them out because they're not 500. So you want the mid-major that had an unbelievable season, got great wins, and maybe got shortchanged in the conference tournament. You want them in over a sub-500 conference uh, high-major team. 100%. Okay. I don't. Great. I don't. What, what? What? You can't go five hundred in your conference. Why are you in the NCAA tournament? Okay. Speaking of that, how about we just talk about Buffalo really fast? Because I talked about Buffalo on the mid-major podcast. They actually dropped a game to Kent State, and after being up fifteen points in this game, is this just another one of those mid-major grind games where a top team drops a game on the road, uh, unless you're like Vermont or somebody like that? Or is Buffalo in a little trouble here? And is Buffalo one of those teams that you're talking about that you would put in over Georgia or a team like Georgia that has a sub-500 record in conference and doesn't perform well in their own conference tournament? No, Buffalo's the exact point. They've been fantastic. They're dangerous. They were 8-0 coming to this game in conference. They go on the road against Kent State, who is 5-3. Big rivalry game there. I think that, that this is exactly the type of team I am talking about. Yes. Okay. Why are you putting Georgia in ahead of Buffalo? Right. I, I don't okay. I don't get well because we like Yante Mayton. Well, if Yante Mayton was that good, then really, you know what, they shouldn't be four and five in the SEC. <laughs> this is precisely the team. Buffalo Bulls want him in the tournament. No, doesn't even phase me. You know, lose a couple games on the road, then you start saying, are they as good as we thought they were? Plus, everybody just put the tweet out about teams that can go undefeated in conference, right? That's the kiss of death. It's like when you say a guy hasn't missed a free throw for two months, he misses the next one. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Tough loss. Kent State on the road, always tough to play. No problem with it. Still like Buffalo. Okay, very good. I, I, I just want to juxtapose those two conversations next to each other just to make sure that the listeners knew where we were at with it. I totally agree with you. I'd love to see the mid-major that has the huge success – gets a couple of those early wins in the uh, pre-conference season, and then maybe, you know, gets short change or, or, you know, 
like 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 the NCAA tournament itself, like gets shortchanged or has a bad bounce in the conference tournament, much like Oakland did, like uh, uh, you know, a season ago, and then they 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 they're on the outside looking in. So I'm totally with you on that. I, I agree a hundred percent. What else can we talk about with the listeners out there? Is there something else you have lined up for us here? I do, Gus. Uh, we have a new new segment. It's sort of a, a modification we had last year, Couch Countdown. We used to say put Gus on the couch at the end of last year. This time we're doing a Couch Countdown. What I'm going to do, Gus, is I want you to sit back and relax, my partner. I'm going to have one minute of rapid-fire questions for you. Now, these questions, obviously, because we are a college basketball podcast, are centered around college basketball. And I ask all the listeners out there, answer the questions as they do as well. So answer it along with us here. Play along and answer it as you would as well. It's going to be rapid fire. I don't want thinking. I don't want Gus you to say, uh, you know, for example, I say black or white. You say, well, I'm more gray. No, that's not the game. You <laughs> okay. got to pick right, one right, or the right other. Okay. We, we, you know, it's fair enough. And then I'm going to mix in some other stuff as well. So it may be some other questions there to throw you off. It's going to be one minute. Give the quickest and best answer that you can to these questions. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. All right. I'll do my best listeners. Please play along at home. Mike, I am ready for uh, the couch countdown. Here we go. Let's start the clock. And we're off. Better coaching job this season. Tony Bennett of Virginia, Bruce Pearl of Auburn. Bruce Pearl. Most likely upset to happen Thursday night. Creighton wins at Villanova or San Francisco wins at St. Mary's? San Francisco wins at St. Mary's. Wendy's or Sonic? Ooh, good question. Uh, Wendy's, my girls really like the Nuggets. Nevada minus seven tonight over Fresno State. Over under, I should wager $20. Uh, Go under, but still take Nevada. Slow play or all in? Oh, slow play. That's my game. Most disappointing team so far this season, Texas A&M or Baylor? Texas A&M. Most likely to finish undefeated in conference, Vermont or Florida Gulf Coast? Oh, Florida Gulf Coast. Is this the year a 16 beats a one? No. Gonzaga win at St. Mary's on February 10th? Yes. Jock Landell, first team All-American? No, third. Everything bagel or plain bagel? Everything. Gin or vodka martini? Neither. Patty or Dylan? Ah, oh, come on, Bob Dylan. SEC teams in the NCAA tournament over under five this year? Over. And that's it. Very good, partner. Very good. You did a nice job. We had a lot, had a lot more I could get to there, by the way. Very, okay. very nice. Yes. All right. Countdown. Very successful. Uh, where's a couple questions we didn't get to I thought I'd ask you? DeAndre Ayton or Marvin Bagley? Answer it as you... Perceive as the question. Okay, Um, I'm going to answer it as uh, an NCAA coach trying to win a a double, uh, an NCAA game in the tournament. I'm going to say Bagley. Bagley or Trey Young? I had the winner of that versus Trey Young. So Bagley or Trey Young? Bagley. Bird or Magic? (laughs) Wow, Uh, you're crazy, Uh, Bird. Up and under move or the crossover, Gus? You know, I'm a big up and under guy. That's, that's, that's my thing. That's true. Last one. Whack attack. Does New Mexico State win at Utah Valley on February 15th? That's, I mean, that, that's their last hurdle, you think, if you look at their schedule moving forward. They kind of beat them up early on the season. I don't think that script's going to change, so I'm going to say that they're going to win that game. Uh, one I wish I got to. Last one for you. Finish this sentence. USC is blank. <laughs> vexing <laughs> good one I know you would say something like that very good well done excellent very very <laughs> all nice. right <laughs> listeners I hope we hope you enjoyed playing along 
can we go back to one of the original one of the original questions? I'm trying to think which one I had more to say on, but I was trying to go yeah, through yeah. them fast. Yeah, maybe a better coaching job, Bennett or Pearl. That was the first. The only reason I'm saying Pearl, there. I mean, obviously Bennett could win Coach of the Year because he's been absolutely amazing. The the amazing thing about Pearl is because due to the FBI investigation, he lost. You can argue his two best players, right? Where he lost uh, Wiley uh, and and the guard, and so he's missing his big. So now he's forced to play small and play like this, like, you know, like we talked about with Nevada uh, and Kentucky a little bit and SMU, this positionless uh, offense where he's had to adjust on the fly and he's done an unbelievable job and had great success with it. So I'm going to lean slightly towards Pearl, but you think like that six, that like static of the program might get in the way of the coach of the year vote. So I, I think it's a messy equation. But I don't think we need to ignore the job that Pearl's done like in season with the team that he's had. He's done an unbelievable job in season on the practice floor with the team that he's presented right now. Uh, there's another one I can ask you. If you hypothetically took Boston College plus two and the game went into overtime, would you like your chances or not? <laughs> I'm just going to say if betting was legal. Against Virginia Tech. Yes, if betting <laughs> I would not like my chances against Buzz William at all. I think that'd be uh, terrible. Oh, they just closed the gap, though. They were down 10. Uh, all right. Yeah. And uh, what other one here? Interesting. Vegas thinks the Villanova-Creighton game is closer, Gus. The spread is minus 13 over the St. Mary's-San Francisco game. But how did you answer that? Did you say St. Mary's? Yeah, I said I, – I, I agree. Said, I, I felt like uh, – It's 14 I, I felt like they were a little bit more vulnerable. I agree. I agree. Here's why. Creighton is going to create more offensive opportunities. St. Mary's pace of play is going to create less offensive opportunities. I think that that um, uh, change in variance then creates a higher prob- probability for uh, 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 San Francisco to pull the upset because there's just too many more opportunities for Creighton uh and and Villanova, I think that's going to be a very high-scoring game. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities on the offensive end. Whereas I think the less volatility, uh, and I think the you know the the impact of each possession in that uh, West Coast Conference game is going to be like I think it's going to be kind of high tension, to be honest. Do you want to go a little off script, Mike Randall? Do you want to just go a little pop culture for the? Oh people yeah, here? yeah, a little pop culture. Yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. Is that okay? Let's do it. Okay, so listeners, uh, Mike and I did not have anything like prepped for this. I'm just gonna like kind of hit him up and give you my two th- two cents on 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 a couple of uh, you know greater things that have happened in the world besides college basketball. The Grammys happened this past weekend, right? They you, did, they did. Yeah, you down with that? Okay, I am. Um, so uh, I'm down with OPP. No, <laughs> they, they were not nominated. No, okay. <laughs> Again, showing our age, really dating ourselves. I know, right? really. Right? I don't it's care. Terrible. It's totally terrible. I'm just gonna ask you, like, you know, you you go anywhere you want. With you can go like song that you really liked. Uh, uh, if you watch the Grammys, your Grammy moment. I'm going to go with uh, the U2 Kendrick Lamar opener. I thought that was like an appropriate number due to a number of things we talked on the podcast about, like the change in current climate and culture of the world and how people are aware of certain things and paying a, a little closer attention to things that might have gotten sw- swept under the rug previously. I think it was really impactful. And Kendrick is awesome. He's fantastic. Now, I'm just going to like lift the curtain a little bit on the podcast. Uh, I got introduced to T- Kendrick via Bad Blood from Taylor Swift, from my daughters, right? 
My daughters are Taylor Swifties, of course. Um, they really appreciate her music. And then when I heard the remix, was with, he dating Taylor Swift? No, no, no. He was. Oh. He he did like a rap interlude on Bad Blood on a and remix. And it's a guy. Kendrick Lamar's a guy. Kendrick Lamar's a guy. Okay. All right. And I was like, not was, my uh, not my area, as we can tell. No, no, no. <laughs> I was like, girls, who is this guy? And they're like, oh, this is this is a Taylor Swift's friend that helps him out with the song. And so then from there on out, I was like, wow, this guy's great. So he's really special. I think he's unbelievably talented. I think he's a once of a generation talent. And, and, and I'm so glad that my girls opened my eyes to him. That was awesome. Uh, I think Lady Gaga was really authentic. I'm not a really big Lady Gaga guy, but her talent was just like so pure. Like you had to appreciate it because she was at the piano, like singing her heart out. John Pat Baptiste, who's on, who's on one of the late shows with Stephen Colbert, he and Gary Clark were kind of awesome. So we're just going to say shout out to those guys, but then also shout out to Cincinnati's Gary Clark as well for playing his tail off. A Grammy moment or a song that you're listening to this year or something along those lines. I did not watch the Grammys. I, I, I just – I'm all basketball all the time. I, I didn't even see this. Uh, I, I don't know. Did uh... – did who who got did did the traveling Wilburys get anything? <laughs> I love the irreverence of Petty. That's did, nice. Yeah. Did they? Uh, no, they did not. They were not rewarded. Although they they were. Uh, Tom Petty obviously was mentioned because they do that. They do that like simple thing where they just like play a song, a track, and then they show like a short photograph of like the musicians and the entertainers and the people that were in the industry that have passed away. So Petty was on that list, of course. Hey, did uh did did Ed Sheeran? Do anything because I'll tell you what was impressive. Gus is a huge music guy. I mean, the guy is knowledge out the yin yang. As you can tell, I do not have that. So I feel, folks, that I am the average person when it comes to music. So Gus can run stuff by me, and I speak for the people because I'm just an average, maybe below average music fan. Stop it! Stop it! Gus did Edge because I remember last year was that when did Ed Sheeran come out? Everybody does all these productions. Maybe it was last year at the Grammys, and Ed Sheeran comes out and he's got no fancy backdrop. Okay, and he's just got some drums right? around his feet, and he does the Shape of You song. Yeah, no, and no, I thought my, it was. My girls really like Ed Sheeran too. Was that like, the I'm, Grammys I'm, yeah. last year? He did that. It was unbelievable. Everybody comes out, yeah, exploding fireworks and stuff. <laughs> Sharon just walks out. He's got some sticks. He's got a guitar. Okay, all of a sudden, dun, dun, and all of a sudden, it's a. So I, I like the people who just do the no frills. We're here to sing. I don't need half naked people. I don't need smoke. I'm just going to sing. It's what I do. That's what I like to sing. Listen, there's something to be said for a man and his guitar or a woman and her piano. Either way, you're going to go there. Uh, And then our other pop culture event from this weekend. Mike, this is a little bit more up our alley, right? The Royal Rumble went down this weekend. Oh, baby, is this up my alley? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So so the Royal Rumble is like, I guess, the secondary element of uh, the WWE's calendar, um, you know, behind WrestleMania. So I think the biggest thing that happened this weekend uh, at the Royal Rumble obviously was the Rumble itself. It, you know, it was very impactful and the, all the guys run in and then all the guys get you know turned over, so on and so on. But they also had a women's Royal Rumble. And guess who showed up? Love it. Ronda Rousey. Love Rousey. Love it. So Rousey shows up. She doesn't do anything, which is kind of like – the WWE's way of doing things, if you remember, like they had, um, you know, Pete Rose show up. They had Liberace show up. Um, occasionally, they get the guys involved. I, I, I think Tyson, like, threw a punch. Um, I think uh, Mr. T got involved in a match. So they bring these, like, you know, high-level celebrities in. But Ra- you know what Rousey showed up in? She showed up in a leather jacket, and it seemed like a vintage 
Hot Rod Roddy hot Roddy, Roddy love, Piper love hot rod. t-shirt, yeah. right? Yeah. So, Mike, I guess my question about the Royal Rumble is, do you have like a, a Roddy Roddy Piper like memory from our childhood? Love it. Just love watching Hot Rod. The, just the coconut off the head. The snooker. <laughs> very mean, good. Just, very good. Yeah, so many good. Watch it. My dad, the pipes coming out, him just inhaling in his nose there, flaring his nostrils, waiting to hear the cheers. Love Hot Rod. Absolutely. <laughs> so here's my little here's my little riff on, on, on Roddy Roddy Piper. I don't think – and listeners, you chime in with this if you, you, know, if you have an opinion on this. I mean this is not college basketball. You try, uh, please let us know at SES Podcast on Twitter – uh, let us know via Gmail, uh, podcast at gmail.com. You know, let, let us know what you think. I don't think the WWE exists unless Roddy Roddy Piper does what he did when he was at his peak. Yep. He kind of invented the talk part with along with Bobby the Brain Heenan. He invented the talk part of the wrestling program format. Like, you know, normally it would just be like, okay – introduce wrestler x okay introduce wrestler y okay they might have fancy clothes on boom they do some wrestling moves and then they finish the match roddy roddy piper brought the talk part he brought the personality to this piper's pit kind of changed the whole dynamic for wwe and wrestling in the whole so i love that ronda rousey absolutely gave roddy roddy piper an homage by wearing the leather jacket and the hot rod t-shirt. I was totally down with that. So what do you think Rousey's finishing move is going to be? That's a great question. And by the way, I think this goes into like the further conversation, like along with Brock Lesnar, like how are Rousey and Brock Lesnar not like the champions like all the time, right? Like because they're obviously the best fighters and the most gifted athletes or, or, or you know, the, the, the fighters that have had the most success. That just seems like very odd, like how you cannot have either one of those as your champions. I don't know what her finishing move is going to be. I'll tell you what, it's going to be nasty. Absolutely. She didn't talk much though, right? Is that the thing? She didn't say much. She just kind of. I, I don't think she needed to say much. I think it was just a more like, whoa, she's there. And then uh, everybody react, react to it. I think that was perfectly played, to be honest, by the WWA. Very good. All right. Uh, so there's our two pop culture uh, things uh, for the Grammys and Royal Rumble. Well done, Mike. Very impressed. Very impressed. Uh, anything else for the listeners out there? I, you wanna, I will just do some quick games, some quick preview here at Thursday and Friday games. What do you think? Uh, yeah, that sounds great. Let's do it. All right. Let's see. What do we got on the schedule here? Uh, so tomorrow night, Wichita State stumble at Temple? Negative. They will not stumble at Temple. Uh, Gonzaga holds serve at home against San Diego. St. Mary's holds serve, right? Nothing crazy there? No, nothing crazy there. I think they're going to hold serve until they meet on uh, February 10th. All right. And then Villanova, Creighton, maybe close for a little bit, but that's it, right? I think uh, if you're going to take a look at one thing there, I'd say take a look at the over because I think much like you've mentioned on previous podcasts, Mike, Villanova is going to be a little limited defensively and they're not going to be that aggressive because they don't want to get their guys in foul trouble. So I say take the over on that game and maybe it's a little bit closer than you think. And go to Friday, Rody on the road at VCU. You don't want to go to war with the Rams? Uh, no, normally on a normal year, I think that would be tricky. I think because VCU is a little bit down this year and because URI is absolutely at the top of their game this year, I'm going to say give me Rody. On the road, big win. I'm, I don't know what the line is yet, but I'm going to say give him the cover. Mike Smith over under 18 points at home against Harvard. Mm, that's a great point. Harvard really loves to slow it down. They really play an unconventional way with uh, their rotations. Give me Mike Smith with 23, but give me Harvard with the win. Great, great game preview. 
And last one for me on Friday, Utah, Colorado, playing each other out in Colorado. <laughs> it's a battle of like the altitudes, right? Uh, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say give me Colorado, and I think they bolster their NCAA resume with one more quality win in the Pac-12. Are they going to make it? I don't know. But if they get this win, at least that gives them another th- another game in the equation in the plus column. All right, listeners, thank you so much. New listeners out there, we're so thankful that you're tuning in to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast. We love that you're t- uh, carving out some time during your week to give the podcast a little time. So thank you. We're hoping we're helping with a, a, a commute, a, a bus ride. Maybe you're running some errands with your kids. Uh, normally, uh, we'll try to keep the podcast really clean, minus the last podcast, which we had to discuss uh, what was on the table. Uh, so hopefully we're helping, you know, in the car and so on and so on. Uh, and if you like what you're listening to, please don't be afraid. Hit up iTunes. Give us a little review on iTunes. If you type up a little review, Mike and I will give you a hoy on the podcast. Uh, and uh, give the podcast a follow at SCS Podcast. Efficiency of Keepstrokes, of course. We gave you the email address earlier if you want to participate that way, if that's your mode of communication. Podcast at gmail.com. And if you're looking for a little screen, the screener in print. Mike does an unbelievable job with the short corner on his website, randallrant.com. You can give Mike a follow at Randall Rant, of course, on Twitter, and hit up randallrant.com. You can hit up his short corner. He tells you everything that is in his college basketball mind for the week. That's what you're looking to get for, right? You're looking to get into Mike Randall's mind. What is he obviously thinking about? And you know what I'm most surprised with, Mike? That you went to Ken Palm. I did. And, and you you hit up the stats. You you go where I normally go, and you absolutely embraced the nerdiness that is the metrics and the numbers. So thanks for doing that. So listeners, if you're looking for all those things, please do it. Hit us up there. Quoting Ken Palm, Charles Dickens. What's happening to me, Gus? <laughs> I, I love that you are not settling for the same old Mike Randall and you are moving above and beyond and expanding yourself. I love it. I love it. Very, love it. Love it. No way, sir. That's me. You got it. <laughs> All right. Gratulatia, uh, Salancha, cheers, and arigato to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. We'll catch up with you guys later on during the weekend during the mid-major podcast. Cheers. Cheers.